0: My name is Chris Lyons. I'm the pastor of Children, Youth, and Family here at Green Lake. And it's a gift to be able to share with you today, greet uh, those of you who are online. And we're in the middle of an Advent series about the family tree of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm certain probably many of you are getting like in the Christmas preparation, you know, kind of mode, right? All kinds of ways, getting uh, decorations up at home, thinking about the season. Any of you with me, right? My uh, son and I were... We get kind of bonus time when I take Joey to school in the morning. We were talking about some of our favorite things about the season. So, of course, Christmas carols came up. We started talking about our favorite Christmas carols. For Joey, it has to do with bells. He's a Silver Bells guy, and he's a Carol the Bells guy. So probably says something about him. It's cool. For me, it's like, Oh, Holy Night, all the time. I'm like, Josh Groban, is that the best version? Or Johnny Mathis, right? True story. Someone came up to me last service. He has a playlist on Spotify of only the song, Oh Holy Night, 59 hours. <laughs> so I know what I'm doing this week. <laughs> I'm so in love with it. That's the greatest. So good. So we talked about Christmas carols a little bit. and Then we started talking about Christmas movies. And I contended. I said, the greatest thing about Christmas movies is about the adventure that happens. We started listening. We said, no, 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 dad. Christmas movies, they are about family And I'm like, oh, so sweet. And he's like, no, no, like family is hard. And then he said, dad, the thing is, family is a lot. Which brings us to the perfect introduction for today's message. Thank you, Joseph. Brilliant. That's the truth about real life family. Family is a lot. And so as we're looking at the family tree of Jesus, his lineage these are real stories, are real people. I mean, some of it's so crazy, you cannot make this stuff up. But especially in these weeks, we are focusing on five women, just incredible stories, uh, women that should be honored and elevated, women who, in their stories who often felt like outsiders have been brought in. And so I'm blessed to be able to share about Ruth today, because the truth is if the story of Jesus and his coming at Christmas is the greatest story ever told, then the lineage of Jesus is the greatest backstory ever told. And today, as we reflect on Ruth's surprising adventure, I believe that there's a linkage to her story, to the lineage of Jesus that can give a fresh meaning and significance to this season of Advent, Advent for you and for me. Good news to meet us in our everyday life. Let me pray for us. Jesus, as we, uh, we hear songs about it being the most wonderful time of the year, feel pressure about the hype to live up to with all the lights and tinsel, we can easily uh, just seek and be distracted by all the consuming and collecting more than bowing down and worshiping you and more than also just trusting you in the midst of all the messes of our lives. In these moments help us see in and through the surprising advent, adventure of Ruth, that we are called to be about so much more than just muddling through somehow. Meet us with your good news in our real life. Come to us, abide with us, Lord Emmanuel, each and every one. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight, Jesus. Amen. So we're in week three of the series on the, the family tree of Jesus. First, we looked at uh, Tamar. And then secondly, we looked last week at Rahab. Next week, Bathsheba. And then the story of Mary on Christmas Eve. And I think about some of the things about these women that they had in, in, in common. They were unlikely, unconventional, surprising actors in God's stories. In, in many ways, they were outsiders brought in in miraculous and incredible ways. And I think specifically, as I've been able to reflect on the story of Ruth, which is so rich uh, for us in this Advent season, there's much, much more than her just being the great grandma of King David or the great, 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 great grandma of Jesus, the Messiah. Ruth was an expert in awaiting faith, awaiting faith, which is what Advent is all about. Real raw stories. Where we're waiting for the goodness of God to show up. If if you know anything about the season of Advent or the word itself, it actually means arrival. Waiting for God's arrival. Now I want to know anybody in the room very good at waiting. We had one liar in the first service. I mean, I didn't I didn't call him out, but we all kind of knew it. But no, not me. I I don't know if kids are in the room, but like I was even pretty good as a kid of like cutting through the scotch tape and like un. Unwrapping the, the end of the package. Oh, someone just got busted! Her smile told me she did that too. Great Christmas tree. Yeah, criminals. Anyhow, waiting is really, really hard. But in this season, for the first time ever, I saw that in the like at the heart of the word adventure is the word advent. Ooh, the word adventure in Latin actually it means that that which must happen, and so I. I've been thinking so much about that all week in preparation for Ruth's story that uh, in the middle of her adventure was this waiting and hoping in that which was not yet. Her surprising adventure is is kind of, her surprising adventure, maybe I should say better, is really about this this trusting like Hebrews 11 points to, that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not yet see. She was an expert in that. And so I'm I'm like wide open eyes, wide open ears to learn about that because I know I struggle. But maybe in this season of Advent, you and I need these kind of reminders. I found this great uh, quote about what the season of Advent, Advent should be all about from Tish Harrison Warren. This is what she writes. To practice Advent is to lean into an almost cosmic ache our deep wordless desire for things to be made right and the incompleteness we find in the meantime. This ache of that which we know could be this adventure that must happen, but also the waiting and the not yet that we're stuck in. She goes on to talk about we dwell in a world that's still full of, racked by conflict, violence, suffering, darkness, and Advent holds space for our grief, even in tension as we wait in hope. Ruth had that kind of faith. Ruth was an expert waiter on the Lord. Ruth was an expert hoper in the Lord. And so I think that she has a story that inspired, her surprising adventure inspires us to think about how we can apply that in our own life today. Uh, Many of you might be familiar with the story of Ruth. If not, I'd encourage you to check out those four uh, chapters uh, in the Old Testament. They are rich. Um, but I'd love to give just a little bit of, of a summary of it. You could do month and month and month of a sermon series on it and still not run out of some of the powerful themes. Themes like uh, dealing with loss, hurt, the boldness uh, of Ruth, her courage, loyalty, faithfulness, conversion, healing, redemption, hope. There's so much there, especially as we link it to Advent. Now, in, in, as a way of summary, you know, I wish I could just point you to the Old Testament plus streaming service that might have a mini series on her or something, because there'd be all kinds of episodes about um, a family at the time of judges when lawless, lawlessness mostly ruled the land, of a family running from Bethlehem to a foreign land to get away from a famine, to go to Moab across from the Dead Sea, of the loss of husbands and ultimately a loss of security of a beautiful pledge, which we heard about from the young widow Ruth to her mother-in-law, the widow Naomi. The return of these two women, destitute and in poverty, back to Bethlehem, which was Naomi's old home. Their struggle with homelessness, a kind of primitive dumpster diving as they gleaned from the field, the remaining barley stalks at the edge of these fields of a generous man and relative named Boaz. There'd be an episode about this kind of some bizarre cultural dynamics that led uh, bold Ruth to practically uh, propose marriage to the same Boaz. And then he had to deal with all kinds of societal red tape to ultimately make this marriage happen. And not just for the care for Ruth, but also for Naomi, ending with the baby being born Obed. And then actually at the very end is this cliffhanger in the book of Ruth, it's actually the same chunk of genealogy that we see in the gospel of Matthew, the connection of her story to King David's and then ultimately to the story of Jesus. Ruth's story truly is an Advent story. So as I was reflecting on what we should to think about today, I just wanted to say Ruth's story is so much more than maybe what you've heard. Um, I had a young friend uh, it's so much more than just a story about romance. A young friend told me that when she was little, she heard the story of Ruth was mostly like, go find your Boaz, girls. I'm like, whoa. No, I think there's more than that to that. You know, it's so much more than just uh, dealing with the religious rules of outsiders like these Moabite women moving back to Bethlehem and, and how they were shunned. There's so much more than even just some of the, the traditions that were not familiar with of of wives practically being property, on and on and on. There's so much more than that, but especially as we connect the story of Ruth to, to Advent today, this is what I would tell you the heart of the story is. The heart of the story for us to reflect on is that good news meets us where we live. The good news of Jesus Christ meets us where we live. And so where you're sitting today, I want you to think about the real life story of Ruth as we consider our own lives and how we can experience in the mess, in, in the realness, an experience of God's good news showing up for us. In uh, Chapter three of uh, Ruth, Naomi says to her, wait, daughter, for the next thing to happen. Ruth was an expert waiter and her real life trust has much to teach us about the goodness of God. So as we talk about uh, the real life ways that God's good news meets us, I want to look at three surprises that connect Ruth's stories to Advent in real life ways. Three surprises. First, uh, the promises of God being with us in the midst and the mess of families. Uh, secondly, the places that we call home. And then lastly, God's provision through it all. Three surprises in the book of Ruth. First. The promises in the midst of the mess of our family. Joey is so right. Family is a lot. Say it with me. Family is? It is a lot. And maybe even at the holidays, we experienced that a lotness more than normal. But I want to tell you that no matter uh, what's going on in the midst of the people that are close to you, those that you consider kin, Jesus wants to show up in good, good ways and with good, good news. I want to go back to the vow that uh, Ruth shared with Naomi in just a moment. But I also wanna say that there's like a choice of commitment that, that Ruth makes to Naomi in the middle of this. There's a loyalty that she makes that is bigger than the obligation that she's been actually released from, from Naomi. She's a clinging convert. Probably her faith was inspired. Her faith as a one who is following the God of Israel was inspired by Naomi. And now she's clinging to Naomi in a deeper way than just blood relationships. So let me read this passage again for us as we consider family. Ruth says to her, clinging to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. There's a sense in the middle of this this vow That there's a a trust that she's been called to this relationship, no matter the messiness, no matter the uncertainty of what lies ahead of them. And no matter the awkwardness of them both being widows and knowing that their care, their security is so uncertain for their future. I think about uh, my own reflection on family. Maybe you're thinking about uh, your families as you hear this. And it's a true statement. We all know it. family systems, family history, our families of origin have lots of hurt, have lots of aches, lots of complications. I was talking to a friend recently who just literally said her, her relationship with their parents and her in-laws that she is exiled from them. Ah, so heartbreaking. And she's wondering where God's at in the midst of all of that. It's real, it's raw. I talked to some of our belong families, our families of kiddos with special needs or some of our fostering and adopting families. And even here in the family of God, sometimes we inadvertently do things to help to make those folks feel like they're outsiders or they're not, they don't fit in here at church. We even had conversations this week at staff, just naming the fact that if you're a single person at church or you're a person without kids, there, there's a sense of feeling like a An outsider and i want to just say here in this story this this amazing adventure of ruth surprising adventure there is a good word for each one of us because it's a story about an outsider being brought in of a commitment bigger than flesh and blood of relationship and connection that is a choice Five times in the in the book of Ruth, she's called the Moabite. There's this, just, this conflict of like outsider, outsider, outsider. But the truth is she was brought in to God's story, ultimately into the story, the family tree of Jesus. I'm so thankful I stumbled across uh, Tim Keller's perspective on this because he says actually family in this book of, of Ruth is actually so much more than blood. And found in this vow, he actually calls it the dynamite, dynamite, power of friendship that this con- commitment almost a vow a covenant that Ruth makes to Naomi is a dynamite power of friendship some authors some scholars would even go so far to say it's really the theme of adoption I choose you that Ruth in kind of a uh Uh, role reversal way is adopting her mother-in-law Naomi and later on Boaz in a way is adopting Ruth and Naomi in his care for her and then ultimately through this family tree we become adopted through Christ Now, adoption has become part of my family's story in the last several years in some uh, surprising and also some beautiful ways. It was uh, over three years ago that we had some distant cousins we never met had come to live with us. And we started that journey together. Now, let me tell you that uh, adoption is not a glamorous or a romanticized thing at all. It is very messy. We definitely put the fun and dysfunctional. I just say that from the start for sure. But as we've Got to a place where we're choosing them and they're choosing us. Uh, Last June, we actually had our uh, legal adoption on Zoom. That was our adoption day of the girls. And I got to tell you, I kind of went in, having seen some like episodes of TV of what like adoptions look like. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be beautiful and everything. And we were on Zoom. We had the grumpiest judge ever. And this is literally how it went. All right, girls, you know, these guys are going to be your parents. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay, so when they take away your cell phones and ground you for being bad, you can't call the state and say, you've made a mistake. Take us back. Do you understand that? Yes. Okay, parents, do you take these kids? Yeah, uh, yes. Okay, you understand if they don't clean the rooms or they act out, you don't get to call the state and say, we want to give them back. Is that okay? Do you understand that? Yes. Okay, you guys are together. Family, (laughs) brother. Meanwhile, my father-in-law is sobbing in the background. This is beautiful. <laughs> it was, it was, but it was real and it was messy. Oh my gosh. Ultimately, he was saying, hey, these are your people. These are your people. In the of family, I believe that God wants to show up in good ways and encourage us wherever there's struggles for you. I think it was true for Ruth. And I can't help but think about Marrying Joseph on their way to Bethlehem and their mess of family. Pregnant, unmarried, scandalized, just the two of them, homeless, having a baby. Even there, the good news met them. God showed up. You are invited no matter the mess. God's good news wants to show up with you too. The second surprise out of the book of Ruth has to do with a place to call home geography is very prominent in the book of ruth it's it's uh, quite interesting to see about this trip from bethlehem to moab and then a trip back to bethlehem bethlehem actually shows up quite a bit in scripture over 20 times in 11 different books you might not know much about bethlehem you might be wondering oh is it a big city is it a medium city it's like i would tell you oh it's a little town Yes, it literally means house of bread. And I don't think it's an accident that Ruth showed up at the end of the, in the midst of the barley harvest where bread was made. I don't think it's an accident that Jesus, the bread of life was born there. So this address, this new home for her, for Ruth and Naomi, they show up and they were surprised. They were noticed and recognized by some of Naomi's friends, but they didn't help whether they were judging Naomi because she had a a foreign daughter-in-law or whatever else. They were totally impoverished Li- probably living in caves. But in the midst of it, they waited on the goodness of God and even being proactive as they waited, working in the fields, even doing what they could to, to get notice of Boaz. They were building a home. So it's made me think about the connection of place with our faith. A couple years ago, we were blessed to have uh, an author here Uh, named david leong he wrote a book called race and place and this is what he says says the reality that we construct meaning from our geography is both practical and theological places have significance for us right it was true for ruth and naomi as they tried to make their home in bethlehem it's probably true for you and me too what are the places of spiritual significance for you Times in which God's arrival was right on time. He showed up and encouraged you. The first thing that came to my mind, I think I've shared about this before, is a monastery in northern Utah. Um, I started going to this monastery with some youth group friends uh, 35 years ago. And I would say there's several times that God showed up just so specifically in the way that I needed to speak a word of encouragement, to speak a word uh, to tell me just to wait and be open, To actually work in and through the relationships I had with friends there or even some of the monks to just tell me he was with me and for me. This is a picture I was there last September just visiting. Uh, The monastery is gone now for the last five years. They still have the barns and they still have the graveyard. But as I was there, I just couldn't help but have this, this moment of remembrance. Maybe there are places like that for you too. Church camps. Places you've gone on a mission trip. Maybe there's even places in in your memory of your own home or significant friends where just God showed up. I think that Bethlehem became that kind of place for Ruth and Naomi. That there was care there. There was uh, the confidence that God was gonna show up in those places. His arrival at that address. I can't help think, but think about uh, Joseph and Mary as they made their way into Bethlehem. They might have given birth to, to Jesus in a cave much like Ruth and Naomi stayed. In the same fields that Ruth gleaned, shepherds watched and waited and were greeted by angels announcing the arrival of the, sa- the Savior, the Messiah. Amazing. place, A place to call home matters. And Ruth experienced that in a surprising way. You too are invited, whatever your place, whatever your settings, to have eyes to see God showing up with his good news there. So not only is the good news, meet us where we live, this overlap of family and place and provision. The last one is the provision of God, the care of God, wherever we're at through it all. It is amazing to read the book of Ruth and see that she had amazing trust through it all. Her waiting on God's provision is profound. Uh, during teaching team this last week, uh, someone just shared, if it weren't for Ruth's grit and trust, there'd be no Jesus. Now, I'm not sure if that's totally true, but I get the sentiment. She showed up to say yes to be part of God's big story. Here's this Moabite convert, highly regarded, it says, as she returned to Bethlehem. She was an outsider. I'm sure that she was judged, but then people saw her faith in action. And then ultimately the whole town was calling her a woman of valor, which is the same phrase used in Proverbs 31. Her character was shaped and formed by her trust in God's care. And throughout the book of Ruth, there's this theme of God's provision of safety, especially around safety and security. Widows in that time were certain to be end up in a place of poverty and often abuse. And so their trusting in God's care was, was very, very intense and profound. And even Boaz speaks to this uh, in chapter 2. Boaz says to Ruth, may the Lord repay you for what you have done, her care and taking care of Naomi. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. That was what Ruth was an expert in, trusting under the wings of God as her protector. And that ultimately would lead later to her when she was on the threshing floor, being bold enough to ask Boaz to be her protector, redeemer as well. Now, in my own life lately, I've been thinking a ton about this theme of safety. Um, It's still shaken me that just a few weeks ago, We had this tragic act of violence at a high school right there. So close. I know as I talk with our families, with our students, there's so much going on in areas of mental health and struggle. And I know parents are very much struggling and stressed about how to respond. And as I was researching this, uh, I was given this book at a, a training lately called What Most Parents Aren't Telling You. And um, it's a research book that has been done over the last three or four years with both Christian and non-Christian parents. One of the first pages had this encouragement, said, don't worry, only the first 40 years of parenting are difficult. So I'm, I'm leaning into that, trusting that. But then there were some really interesting things they highlighted. One was uh, for moms, they, asked it, uh, they, list, they, they, they listed the top three um, areas of struggle. And it said that moms feel alone, they feel worried, and they also they feel judged. For dads, their top issue of struggle, confused <laughs> all the time. I'm like, oh, I resonate with this. Now, honestly, the craziest stat of, of, of it all and why it relates to this topic is uh, I couldn't believe it, but it said that Christian parents, as compared to, to parents of, who say they don't have faith, are two times more likely to say yes to the phrase, I am worried about my family all the time than those who don't have faith. Christian parents say twice as much as, as non-Christian parents, I am worried about my family all the time. And I was struck by that because I'm wondering, where is our trust? Where is our faith? It's one thing to have a little baby and trust God and say, please help me care for this little one. Now, as I'm sending my kids off to college, trust takes on a whole new form. It is still a matter of trust. And I think about in our setting, in our ministry opportunities, how we can encourage parents. There's much, much to worry about. But what would it look like to be challenged by a faith like Ruth's? to say God's provision will be there for you and your family. Her model challenges me to trust. I also can't help to think about Mary and Joseph and their need to trust for the provision of God as they headed into Bethlehem, as they gave birth without a place in the inn, as ultimately Mary was greeted by the angel as... Um, uh, favored one, actually a similar phrase to what Ruth was called. But ultimately, they'd be surprised by the Magi's gifts, These, the riches that would actually help them escape Herod's murderous ways. Angels came in the middle of dreams to say, get out of here. God provided time and time again. I, I wonder what it would have been like to hear from Mary about God's provision. Probably very similar to what Ruth might say. God always showed up. God always provided. I wonder about you too. Where are you in a place where you can say, I'm aware of God's care for me. I'm aware of God's care for me. Friends, the good news meets us where we live. In the messiness of our lives, in the places we call home, in our need for provision and care. Just like Ruth's surprising adventure, in this season of preparation, God wants to meet us there. So today... I'd love to invite you to think about your adventure right now. Where do you find your living in your journey of faith? Where do you find you're experiencing God or not? What is your place of need? As preparing for today, I actually just have to confess, I'm coming out of the season of COVID, like maybe many of you, just looking back on it, asking, how trusting was I of God during these times? I was clinging, not the way Ruth did. Ruth clung to her faithful friend, Naomi. Ruth clung to the faithfulness of God in total confession. I was clinging as a pastor, as a dad, as a friend during COVID times, like, I got to be smart to figure this out. I have to work hard enough to figure this out. And I would say that over a couple of years, that wrecked me. You might relate. And even these past months, I've talked to a counselor and he just said, it's like I've been holding on to a rope. And now even though some of the weight is gone, my hands are kind of even deformed from clinging, clenching so tightly. I'm so grateful. We were on retreat in September as a staff. And I actually felt like I heard from God this word, just release, let go, be open. As I was thinking about Ruth's waiting faith, That's the place in which, the place that I'm living that God's meeting me. Release with your family, release. Release with the the struggles at home and the challenges. Release with issues of care and provision. I'll never let you down. And it's easy to say and hard to do. I'm still in the mess of trying to figure it out, but I can say with confidence that God has shown up in real life ways for me because friends if the good news isn't meeting us where we live in real life ways it's not really good if it's just up here spiritual things we say it's not good today know that ruth's surprising adventure can invite us into a deeper level of trust and experience of him i'd love to invite uh the band to come up to close us in song and as we come to sing, a Little Town of Bethlehem, I'd love also to invite you to sing it with new eyes and new ears, to think about this story, not just of Jesus, but of Ruth's Advent trust, and for your own story, how you can have a waiting kind of trust in the midst that tells us to know Christ is born of Mary, we're in this family, that this holy child, is there for us to be born in us today. And though there are still dark streets, there is a light that shines that the hopes and fears of all the years can be met in Jesus. And this wondrous gift given, for us, we can receive him still. He can enter in. On your surprising adventure, may you experience the goodness of God in this way. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I pray that... uh, Wherever we're met today, wherever the aches are today, uh, the longing for the things to be made right, whether they're in our families or in our home or settings or in our concerns for your provision, show up, show up and help us just stay, kind of have the kind of faith of, of Ruth that was confident in the waiting that your goodness will be known and experienced in each of our lives. We pray this in your name, amen.